Welcome back to Steven Selects. I'm Mackenzie Atwood. We've been digging into some of your favorite Steven Universe episodes, and today we're focusing on Last One Out of Beach City. This episode is all about Pearl discovering her identity. You two just never saw me in action, breaking every rule, taking on the authorities, so I could indulge in the joys of life on Earth. So Steven Universe writers Ben Levin and Matt Burnett are back with us again today. And we're going to start out with Last One Out of Beach City, and then we're going to be answering a few fan questions. So glad to have you guys back. Thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us again. For sure. Uh, So right off the bat, my first question is, this episode we see Pearl sort of uh, taking on the rebel role, and there's sort of like the dichotomy of her being a rule follower or rebel and sort of balancing that. So do you guys have anything, like, is it tough to balance that? I mean, I think that... The comedy of this episode is seeing Pearl, you know, trying to sort of uh, act like this sort of the fawn, this like leather jacket motorcycle (laughs) rebel. But Pearl really is a rebel. I think she just doesn't fit this sort of superficial human version of a rebel, but she really is. She feels like she needs to prove something, though, but her friends ultimately let her know that she doesn't. You know, she's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I to speak kind of deeper on like a show level of like the rebel versus the rule follower. It's it's always been f- interesting with Pearl because it's like she is such a rule follower, but she did participate in this thing in the past, and like you know, I feel like so much of what she did in the past was because of her relationship with Rose, and she really was like felt that she was following Rose, and I think that when like Rose left, she felt like maybe that part of her left too, and maybe she clung tighter to like sticking to rules and, and structure and routine and and that's why like in, in the early episode she's so all about gym culture and gym history and showing steven all this old stuff because of stuff that's familiar to her but like this is an episode that really tried to make her her own person and like internally she's like realizing like I'll, no a lot of it came from me it wasn't just that i was following you know uh, rose like this is really a part of me and, and getting to see how that awkwardly uh, manifests itself. New Pearl, no plan. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's like giving her agency and everything. It was also interesting seeing like how Steven became the voice of reason because that also sort of inverted from the, I mean, like, you know, from the early episodes as well when he was always the one getting everyone into trouble with his antics and then Pearl would, you know, try and clean everything up. Yeah, I mean, I think when you finally get a chance to know characters so well, you get to do episodes like this where you see, okay, what it's like, what's it like if Steven's worried and, you know, Pearl's run from the cops? Like, you get to flip things on their head and it's just super fun. And Pearl in general is just super fun to flip on her head anytime Mm -hmm. or, like, because she is so particular about things or, you know, you know, has, she cares a lot about things, you can really push buttons with her, whether it be dramatic or comedic. Yeah, it's just so funny to see Steven in that role and just like over the course of the show watching this carefree kid just become riddled with anxieties and fears and like, oh, my God, like I'm now looking out for these people. I thought I was going to we're going to look out for me. Uh, It's just so funny how far it's come. While we were working on this episode, like we tried to watch some teen movies to figure out what the archetypes were, Mm -hmm. which eventually led to Rebecca adding that thing at the end. Yeah, that just kind of came in last minute. Yeah. Let's just do freeze frames and and, and cards for everybody at the end. Yeah, because originally, like, I think the cops, like, really came in there and did stuff uh, at the show. Um, But, uh, yeah, like, we were watching, you know, um, like, Dazed and Confused, I think was one where it has a lot of, like, driving in cars and like just conversations and back seats and stuff like that, uh, mm-hmm. which 
his you know we were like oh we need someone who's like i don't know guys mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> <some nerd. laughs> you wanted to so it's sort of like a homage to that then that's really cool how did yeah. it change like since could you talk more about like the 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 police coming in and shutting down the party is that well yeah i mean it changed even more uh when looking at the premise originally originally the story was more uh bent towards pearl um wanting to get to know humans better yeah this was Mm -hmm. about her like kind of like oh i fought to defend this planet for humans but i don't really know them so let me go uh talk to them and then in the second draft like of the outline it became more about just like that she's perceived as a square and she wants to prove herself and the the rebelliousness of that right uh, yeah and i think and he changed even further in the board too and yeah and the the ending changed it was like actually the total opposite when pearl goes to talk to the mystery girl of that it, up until the outline amethyst and steven were like encouraging her to go and they they were giving her advice and amethyst was being like you need to go talk to her this is how you should talk to her and we walked it back because amethyst and pearl's relationship kind of we got to explore it in this episode and it felt like amethyst wouldn't pressure her friend at this point like she knows that pearl is cool and she doesn't want to be they're having a genuine moment she doesn't want to give her a hard time and like push her into something she's not ready for Mm -hmm. so amethyst is like at the end when she's just like yeah you don't have to do it you know and pearl just walks off and does it anyways and amethyst is like trying to talk her out of it or to start lower with a nerd or something like that was totally something that changed at board because yeah it Mm. it was like why would amethyst still be kind of pushing pearl into something that would make her uncomfortable yeah the resolution changed from like talking to the girl being the thing that resolves her conflict to being this moment with just the friends where they're like Right. We think you're great and you are a rebel. Look at you. Like you did all this cool stuff. And once she's kind of has that resolution internally, then there's this extra beat of her having fun, feeling this confidence in herself. Right. Yeah. And there's the girl. She's actually here. No way. I'm going to talk to her. Look, Pearl, I already think you're cool. You can ease into the socializing with humans thing. Yeah. I, I, I didn't thought about that. The fact that Amethyst, like, egging her on sort of changed halfway through but that totally makes sense so you mentioned mystery girl i'm kind of wondering how mystery girl came about in development and everything well i mean i know that the idea with her was to make someone that kind of looked like rose that Mm -hmm. she had a type and it would be yeah (laughs) yeah it was kind of a joke and that yeah, the the, way, the fact that she looks exactly or not exactly, but so similar to Rose, just like oh, she really has a type. But the character I think was there to kind of just serve this idea that like we didn't want to specifically say like they're going to have a relationship beyond this, but it was just kind of this episode to prove that Pearl has like changed and moved on in a way from all of the the baggage in her past and stuff, and she's willing to do and try new things. So, uh, yeah, I know that she came about because we were like, what is one of the biggest ways we can show that she's a more independent character now? And, yeah, having her get interested in another (laughs) pink-haired woman. uh, The the overall, like, feeling – I mean, the thing I love about this episode, because, like, my favorite type of genre is, like, going to shows and having awkward romantic interactions with people because that's just, like – 
I used to go to ska shows and punk shows growing up and, you know, just like being a nervous teenager and being like, oh, I see somebody. Uh, I'm going to go talk to them. Like, that's just like the funnest, most exciting stuff. So I was really excited to see that in this episode. And so just playing with that genre also of like, go talk to someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a big deal. It's, it's scary and exciting. And so it's really cool to see that play out. Yeah. It was fun. I, I've seen people online talking about, like, if Mystery Girl dyed her hair or something, and then Pearl's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Just, like, <laughs> dr- loses all interest. <laughs> uh, one of my other favorite bits was the, we talked about this before, but the decision that the gems live off the grid and they don't have licenses, licenses or anything. Why'd you guys decide that specifically? Yeah, I mean, that you know, they're magical alien beings. They wouldn't really fit into the... The system of the right. state laws and everything of Delmarva, uh, there mm-hmm. was just nothing they could fill out a form and, and get a license because <laughs> they don't have like their birth date and all this stuff. Yeah, and they're so – I mean they've been living on the planet for thousands of years and they're almost like so deliberately obtuse about human culture that you know they've been living in Beach City and and, and Greg has been a part of their lives for the last couple years. But like they just – have refused to kind of learn a lot of it, uh, which leads to a, like a lot of comedy. But I think it also is just kind of like, you know, Rose was the one who really loved humans and was trying to sell everyone else on it. Yeah, so, I don't think yeah. until Steven came into their lives, they really, yeah, really truly had to interact with any of this stuff. You yeah, know? I mean, it's not like they mm-hmm. had to go to the grocery store or anything before Steven was around, and he's brought them out into the uh, the human world even more. And so then this stuff comes up. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just such a funny early on in the development of the show. It's a thing that's been talked about a couple times about how it used to be different and that the gems would disguise themselves and they had a car like and making Pearl drive the car in this is kind of a throwback to like an early storyboard that was never produced where Pearl drives Steven around in a car around town. Right. Yeah. And it's just so much more uh, opportunities for comedy and story just to have them be have to learn human culture over the course of the show but you know going to the dmv is just annoying anyway so yeah. true. i mean if you're a magical super powered space being you're probably like even less concerned with doing that especially if it expires you know they're like it expires in like five years what yeah yeah what's what? the point it's okay so yeah, it's like a blink of, blink of an eye for them yeah <laughs> my entire life will be spent at the dmv basically is what you're telling me <laughs> Yeah. What was I supposed to tell the DMV? That I'm from another planet? I'm not exactly a citizen, Steven! Then what do we do? Um, so, Mike Kroll, what's up with that? Who, who, uh... I thought that was really interesting, because this hasn't really been done in other episodes either, like having a real-life person. We wanted to do this episode where they go to a show, and, um... I'm friends with Mike uh, Kroll, and Rebecca is too. She went to school with him. Mm. And so, you know, I also wear... Mike Kroll shirts to the office and stuff and one day she was like we should put Mike Kroll he should be the guy they go see it'd be great we'll we'll get some we'll play some songs yeah he was in there by the outline was he in the premise uh, I don't know if he was in the premise but he was in the outline and uh, yeah they were like we're gonna go see Mike Kroll and um, it was really fun to like get his songs and like we basically worked to make it like a mini music video like she she was like let's use this song and like we'll make we'll, we'll time out the car chase to that and me and Rebecca did a little bit of editing together to try and really make that kind of moment sing where they're running from the cops and like time it just right to like jumping over the hill to that part like the crescendos of the song and everything. So that was really cool to get to work with a with a friend and like use his awesome music. Yeah, and I really like the subtle 
gag where Pearl just misinterprets Mike Kroll as like a possessive, as like they're saying my Kroll. Yeah. And so oh. she's like, when we're gonna, I'm sorry, I made you miss your Kroll. <laughs> like she totally doesn't, she bungles it. Uh, it's just a nice little thing. I didn't catch that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very subtle Jake. We're, we're like, we all were like defending it. We got to keep it all the way through. Uh-huh. I'm sorry we didn't get to see your crawl. I was so ready. I really wanted to see your crawl. <laughs> uh, so one thing that I also thought about, another reference, um, the whole running gag with Ocean Town. Can you guys talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a part in Political Power or something where Dewey says, at least we're not in Ocean Town or something. And Fryman's like, ha too soon. And we just like the, this, in this, we just started talking about and then board pitches of like what happened in Ocean Town, and it's just funny to hint, <laughs> yeah, at some secret had, thing. That there's been, yeah, over the years, it's been like, should we go there? Should we see it? What should it be? Should it be a crater or something? And I think we just kind of in this canonically set that it's been on fire for a very long time, <laughs> perpetually, and then they finally put it out. I don't know. Regional, sm- petty regional rivalries are very funny to me like Shelbyville in the Simpsons and where I grew up it just my town had an east and west side and it was just a very like oh boy like we don't like the east side kids there's just a really intense rivalries that mean <laughs> nothing but I just love that they hate Ocean Town which is probably pretty similar to them yeah, except for the ex- fact that they're on fire yeah it's probably exactly the same. <laughs> okay great so uh, let's get into the fan questions Matt and Ben are going to answer some of the questions that you guys have sent in to the official Cartoon Network Twitter and to my Twitter at MK Atwood. Steven Universe writers Matt Burnett and Ben Levin have agreed to field a few fan questions, and first up is one from Podcatcher and Abby, and they both asked, how do you connect storylines and plot lines between the different writers and storyboarders, or is there somebody who's specifically in charge of, like, maintaining continuity? I mean, on a, I feel like on a movie set, there's someone whose job is to be like, are you wearing this sweater today and you got to wear it tomorrow in a scene? But <laughs> And even on other TV shows, I remember someone telling me a story about on the Transformers, uh, one of those shows, they just had someone in there that was like the lore, Transformers lore master. Yeah. The wiki. I, I think that we had, we had no one <laughs> like that. Um, I think we, it was a, the show is a big collaborative effort and that's why we all remember stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a core group of people that work on every episode, so they're aware of everything. It's, you know, Rebecca, of course, and the directors, uh, Joe and Kat, and then Ben and I, as writers, were touching every episode. And then the pitches, you know, when every episode is presented in, in the room in, like, a storyboard form, all of the other uh, board artists are invited to to see it and to give feedback on it. So there's always conversations in the room about like oh hey like you know i'm doing this in an episode coming up could you like maybe this could help this episode in some way or someone recalling like oh in this episode i did this maybe we could bring this in so you know Mm. everyone is is we make sure to clue everyone in we don't ever want to keep people in the dark and um like rebecca will have meetings too sometimes during the course of the season to kind of like lay out for everyone like Here's where things are, are going and here's what we're trying to accomplish so that even if it's not an episode you're working on, you sort of know where it fits in to the larger season structure. Yeah, but I think also everyone was just is super passionate about the show. Mm-hmm. So yeah. everyone has a lot of opinions about like, I don't think that, you know, Stephen would do this or, you know, like everyone's really invested in their writing and their boarding. And so uh, that helps everyone keep track of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. 
Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone is looking to build that continuity because everyone is a fan of it, and they're all trying to kind of support each other to make this cohesive uh, story. Right, right. I have a question from As Colom. I think is how you say that. Uh, they want to know: Do you guys work more bottom up or top down? With bottom up being like uh, developing just like core scenes and images, and then like sort of tying them together with the plot, or top down. You come up with the overall plot first, and then fill in the blanks with the episodes. Yeah, on, on Steven, I feel like it was um, for us. I say it was because we're not writing on the show right now. Rebecca would have these scenes or images that she would bring in and be like, "I want to do a story. It's sort of about this, or you know, I have a concept." And so we would start with that sort of image, and then be like, "Okay, what is the basic beats of that story?" Mm-hmm. So we would take an image or a feeling or just some bones and then try and make it into a story skeleton yeah it was mm-hmm. yeah there would be times like oh like, wouldn't it be great if all the characters wore baseball uniforms and let's like <laughs> figure out a way to get that in there and like uh, you know the water tower thing from um ocean gem was just an early image for the show that was like oh like this is like a this feels you know let's get there and stuff but there's other times where it is being driven by this like we need a story we need this story in particular you know like it doesn't have any Mm -hmm. like we need to tell a story about centipedal at this point in the show or or, uh, we need to showcase this element of steven's powers and then we have to then find the images and scenes to support that like sort of overall story that we we feel like the show needs to tell at that time as far as someone who is you know writing themselves like if this person is asking for themselves like, I think that, you know, ultimately, you know, sometimes it helps to just have these ideas that are thinking, oh, this would be a cool thing to see. Because if you're making something for animation, you know, ultimately it's about the visual medium. So you want those mm-hmm. those concepts to have some cool visual going on with them. But I think that, you know, you don't have to know everything all at once. That's the important thing about writing is that, like, taking it step by step is very helpful and makes everything that seems overwhelming much uh, more manageable. So that's, that's how we would approach things. If we knew either we had to, we have to either address this concept or we want to showcase this cool thing. We would then try and come up with a simple like three X structure of how that would lay out an episode. And then once that was like, okay, this looks good. Then we would expand from there. We would write the outline, which would be more detailed. And then once you have an outline that feels good, then you start storyboarding. Mm. That way it doesn't feel like, all right, start drawing a storyboard now with no story, but you know that somewhere in there you want this, you know? Like, right. Because you have to, mm-hmm, you have to mm-hmm. earn it, you know, like uh, thinking, thinking in moments, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's very powerful to be like, oh, this like really cool moment where like Steven and the gems are down at the base of this giant water tower that's just stretching off into infinity it's like that looks so cool but like you know if you don't know who steven is and who the gems are and you know why this water tower was created like it's just a drawing you know and you have to earn it in the story so Mm -hmm. like you find these moments early on that you're like oh i really want to get this into a story and you just you know make sure you build then start to think on it at a macro level so you can like build the story that earns that moment and like conveys to the audience the feeling you felt when you kind of just first thought of that scene, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks as always for coming on and talking to me, guys. Thank you. Thank you. If you have a question for the Crewniverse, tweet them to me at MK Atwood or to the official Cartoon Network Twitter. Use the hashtag StevenUniversePodcast. And be sure to watch Steven Universe on Cartoon Network or the Cartoon Network app. 
The Steven Universe podcast is produced by Stacey Para, Charles Abadje, and Conrad Montgomery. Special thanks to Rob Sorcher, Cartoon Network Studios, The Crew Universe, and Turner Studios. And next week, writers Ben Levin and Matt Burnett return to give us an inside look at Steven's dream. So hit subscribe to the Steven Universe podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a five-star rating and review while you're there. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I will see you next Thursday.